We are on page four of the booklet. Does anybody need one of these booklets? I think there are some back there left, isn't there, Jason? Jason didn't refill it, so. No, Jason did a good job making sure we had it. On page four, it says we are numbered, and we're looking at the census for Numbers chapter one and Numbers 26. When we look at the word numbers, we see a lot of numbers throughout the Bible. Uh, Bruce, a few years ago, did uh, lessons for us on the book of Revelation and talked about some of those numbers. And we've seen numbers throughout the Bible, uh, how many were saved on the day of Pentecost and things like this. And now we're looking at numbers of people and the importance of these people to God's scheme of redemption or the total story, which we talked about. If you'll turn in your Bibles to Deuteronomy uh, chapter 7, Deuteronomy chapter 7, if you look up at the screen, I've put 7 and 8 up there of Deuteronomy chapter 7. It says in verse 7, of Deuteronomy 7, it says, The Lord did not set his love on you, nor choose you, because you were more in number than any other people, for you were the least of all peoples. Then in verse 8, it says, But because the Lord loves you, and because he would keep the oath which he swore to your fathers, the Lord has brought you out with a mighty hand and redeemed you from the house of bondage, and from the hand of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. So here in Deuteronomy, which is farther down, which Brother Bain did for us and did a great job and even read these verses, the Lord didn't choose these people because they were a set number or they were something because the number was so great that they were good people, but he said because of his love and because of his oath. Well, he puts, and we talked a little bit about this last time, he puts, if you look at it, a word next, and it says, therefore, is the, in the next verse. When you see a therefore, what does that mean? Kind of an if, then. <laughs> I've said this, now what's going to happen? Now listen to what he says. In verse 9, it says, Therefore know that the Lord your God, he is God, the faithful God who keeps covenant and mercy for a thousand generations with those who love him and do what? Keep his what? So there's a part of this that says he, we're talking about a chosen people, but there is a responsibility, isn't there, to keep the commandments. Verse 10, and he repays those who hate him to their face to destroy them. He will not be slack with him who hates him. He will repay him face to face. That includes his own people, doesn't it? Therefore, you shall keep the commandments, the statutes, and the judgments, which I command you today to observe them. And these people didn't do that. They didn't completely observe everything, but the Lord chose them. So he took care of them. As we go further in tonight, he took a census in chapter 1 and in chapter 26. 
And when he took this Senate census, who did he include? Does anybody remember? If you look at the very top of uh, page four, it has numbers one, uh, verses two and three. It says, take a census of all the congregation of the children of Israel by their families, by their father's houses, according to the number of names, every male individually from how old? 20 years old and what? And above for what? All right, so they're able to go to war, right? So we're looking for warriors. So when he takes the census, in Numbers 1, in verse 46, we have 603,550. And that's in verse 46. So this is men, correct, above 20, that are able to go to war. So when he takes the census in Numbers 26, the second census, now we're going to get to a lesson on the spies and stuff. That hasn't happened yet. But I'm, we, I combine these two lessons. You can tell that there's a difference. 601,730. So it's changed. We, we know why it's changed, because they, they disobeyed God when the spies went out. We'll talk about that later. Now, the question here for us is who's not included in these numbers? Women and children. Levites. And why weren't the Levites included? Because they're not going to go to war because they've been chosen to do what? Take care of the sanctuary, take care of the tabernacle, really to be under Aaron and, and the priests. So they're not. And they won't inherit land, will they? Who else didn't get included? The older man that wasn't all The older man? What if a man was blind? Couldn't go to war, could he? Have we ever thought about that? How many people could have been involved or are lame or are hurt in some way? I'm not degrading them. I'm saying there's other people here that didn't go to war. And if you just take a, a rough number of 600,000 and just say half of them are married, that's 900,000 people, right? And if each one of them had one child out of those 300, that's another 300. That's over a million. And you got to know that more than that were married. So most theologians say there were over 2 million people including the Levites, including men and women that weren't to go to war. Well, we know that God is in control. We know that he led them through the sea. We know he brought them across. So why are they taking a census? I mean, doesn't he know what's going on? Doesn't he know how many people are here? Did you say Moses doesn't know? That's a good point, John. 
I'm going to let John come up. He's taking my thunder away. Any, anything else? He says order and arrangement. Anybody want to add anything to it? Well, we're missing one point that's pretty simple. And that's the Lord told him to do it, didn't he? Which we don't really think about that, but it's like John says. The Lord knows what's going on, but the Lord that we know is the Lord of order, isn't he? I put these things down um, as part of it, which you've said. We needed, they needed to know, including, as Miss Sherry says, Moses and the rest of the people, if you're going to go to war, you're, you're people that are boots on the ground. You want to know how many people you got, right? Lord knows. I guarantee you when Bruce went into battle, he knew how many men he had, didn't you? You knew how they were equipped. You knew what battle weapons you had. And there was another part of this. This was a preparation for the conquest because the spies hadn't gone in yet. So they were trying to get ready, even though the Lord knew it wasn't going to work, to go in for the conquest, so they had to be ready. I put this one in here. Uh, I've read a couple of different articles, but knowing how many people, just as Miss Sherry said, Moses didn't know, but knowing the men that were ready would, would encourage you to say, that's a large battle group, isn't it, for that period of time? And eventually, as John was saying, they would need the, the, these numbers in order to divide the land up according to the different tribes. And the Lord said, you're just not going to give the smallest tribe you know, Africa. It's going to be divided for different reasons. Anything anybody wants to add? If you look on page four, you see where the tabernacle is. You see the north, west, east, and how these tribes were listed. And then on the next page, on page five, you see uh, how they would uh, also go, and we'll talk about this in a second. Well, when you see this second census, if you look at page six, here uh, the spies have been sent out. Twelve men went out. Ten came back and said, what? Can't do it. Shut down. Turn off the lights. We've got to go back. Two men, Joshua and Caleb, said, we can do it, didn't he? And they said, let's go do it now, didn't they? And those ten men, as well as other, they discouraged the people, and the people were ready to stone those guys, weren't they? So here's a situation that God took care of that, and there's some interesting points about this second census. The first one is these changes that happened, they didn't happen to one tribe or one person that was involved with this tribe. What is it went across the whole group, didn't it? You know, we read a verse in the Bible that says a little leaven leavens what? The whole lump. What does that mean? 
means cause all kinds of problems, can't he? You gotta take care of a problem. This problem was universal in that camp, wasn't it? There's a lot of people that went down. Well, the second part we know, and I put some verses on there that you can refer to, which you know that Acts 10 is God is no respecter of what? It's not, it's not an issue that you're not his chosen one. We can fall, can't we? We can be a member of whatever church and we can fall. And, and the same thing when we think of this and we say the universality of this is something we need to understand, don't we? That it, it could affect everybody. When you look at the next part, they were under divine control. We know that God is under control and that all things are possible through God. He didn't say, Moses, you choose from these tribes, these tribes, and these tribes, and I'll take these. What did he do? This is what's going to happen. That's the way the Lord works with us today, doesn't it? No different. You know, he, when he looks at us, we're individually members, but we can affect a congregation, can't we? Anybody can. And when you see the last part, this is probably what everybody will look at like it. Uh, some have made reference to 1 Corinthians 10 and 11 and, and Romans uh, 15, 4, where what are we doing with the old law? We're, this is for our learning that we can learn from history. And that I also put this in here because if I was one of those that thought that I wasn't going to make it in these 40 years, I'd be teaching my kids, <laughs> wouldn't you? Said, don't be like your father. And it's instructive for us today, isn't it? That a simple numbering of these men that fell down can mean this much to people. We need to think about it, don't we? It's not easy to overlook it is the point. Anything you want to add to that? If you're still on the same page, I put on here on page six that the Lord knows his own. What do you think I mean by that? Uh, even though I've had verses in here and, and things like that, what, what do you think I'm getting at reading my mind? God knows like every hair on your head and God knows everything about you. But God knows who obeys his commandments and who disobeys his commandments. And when you disobey his commandments, it breaks his heart. He takes no enjoyment in punishing his children, but he has to sometimes to teach them to respect him. He wants all to be saved, doesn't he? And she made reference to Matthew 10:30 30 and 31, which is written in your book. It says the very hairs of our head are numbered. Uh, do not fear, therefore, you are more valuable than what? The sparrows. So there is a value on the life that, that God is putting with his people that he's chosen. And when we started off with Exodus, and, and when we think about this, I've, I put a couple of other different verses. If you will go ahead and turn to John chapter 10, 
you're well familiar with this, John chapter 10. In John chapter 10, it says, I'm the good shepherd, and I know my sheep, and I'm known by my own. Who is this talking about? Talking about Jesus, isn't it? When you go to chapter 10, and you looked at verse 14... He talks earlier about the hireling are not going to take care of the sheep and says in verse 11, I'm the good shepherd. But if you go to verse 3 of chapter 10, it says, To him the doorkeeper opens and the sheep hear his voice and he calls his own sheep by how? By name. That means he knows Nate, doesn't he? That means he knows people in other congregations by name and then does what? What does Jesus do? He leads them out. And the interesting part of it is in verse 4, and when he brings out his own sheep and he goes before them, he says that they're his own, the sheep follow him for they know his what? Voice. They understand that Jesus has given his voice to us, hasn't he? Right here. And when he left, he left the Holy Spirit, didn't he? He sent the Holy Spirit. So we weren't left alone. But his voice is right here in these scriptures, isn't it? For us to know and to use constantly. When you look a little farther, I put another, a little bit different verse here. If you look at 2 Timothy 2 and verse 19, I was, I was afraid that I put the wrong thing in there. 2 Timothy 2 and 19. When you look at this particular verse, uh, I took it out of there, so to, just to give you a little bit of how it fits in here in 2 Timothy 2.19. You've got a situation here of people that are really workers that are not what they're put up to be. They're, they're giving messages that are not right, that Hymenaeus and Philetus are of these sorts in verse 17, and their message will spread like cancer. In verse 18, who have strayed concerning the truth, saying that the resurrection is already past, and they overthrow the faith of some. So here's a group of people that are perverting the gospel, perverting what's being told and and leading people astray. But then what happens here in this verse, it says, nevertheless, with all this happening, with these people being led astray by these two guys... What can you depend on? You can depend on the solid foundation of who? Of God. That here this foundation is such that it's sure and steadfast. It says, nevertheless, the solid foundation of God stands. Having this seal, the Lord knows those who are his. So... These people that are causing these problems are not his, but he says you can depend on God, can't you? And you can depend on God because he knows who his people are and he's a a firm foundation. 
and the name of Christ, when we're in, in that as a Christian, it says the Lord knows those who are his and let everyone who names the name of Christ do what? Put away iniquity, right? Just like before. If he knows his own, there's still a responsibility, isn't there? I mean, it's a great thing to know that God says that we're his own, but we have a responsibility, don't we? If we don't take that responsibility, then it's iniquity, isn't it? It doesn't fit in the same verse. Anything you want to add to that? And, you know, you would, people would be more cautious about putting dirt on the family name. And I think that's, the, in a sense, what, what our relationship is with God is we carry his name. And our lives should we, not tarnish the name his Christian. Name. You know, you make a great point. When you look at historical issues, John went over in, in talking about the destruction of Jerusalem in the harmony of the Gospels. One of the big things with all that is a lot of that history was destroyed, wasn't it? Because people would refer back to that history, and if there was a certain name and he was of that lineage, that was important, wasn't it? It was important to show that he's Jewish, that he's the chosen people of God, and you're exactly right, the name was important. That stuff was destroyed. God was sending a message saying it's not the Jewish generation, is it? It's not the Jew or the Gentile. It's everyone, isn't it? But you're exactly right. Our names tell somebody something, don't they? And that's a real good point. Anything else? Well, when we go a little bit farther... When you think of this, and this comes back to what John was saying, the, the Lord has always, I put up here, prescribed order. And I put Numbers 2.2. It says, every one of the children of Israel shall camp by his own standard beside the emblems of his father's house. They shall camp dis- some distance from the tabernacle of the meeting. Where did God's order start? I'm not talking about numbers. Started with creation, isn't it? Creation was orderly, wasn't it? You come to the creation that God set up, it was in order. When you look at it scientifically, it, it couldn't be worked any better. Then there's man and woman, isn't there? There's order in that arrangement. It didn't say two men, it didn't say two women, did it? It said man and woman, and each one of them have a role and responsibility. That's called order and arrangement, isn't it? You go to Noah. Did he say, Noah, just put some wood together? No, he gave him the meats and the bounds of that ark, didn't he? And only a few people went in there, didn't they? The family. And you go to uh, uh, Abraham, the promises And we see, you know, that it's going to be a nation, a land, and what? The Messiah. And what happens? The rest of the Bible completes that, doesn't it? That's called order and arrangement. And then we come down to to Moses. He leads them out. Now God's dealing with this. 
And coming back to what Nate said, when you look at the word um, standard, it is uh, also called a banner, or maybe some in some of your Bibles, it's an ensign. And what it means is to identify a group. It's like Nathan says, to identify your family, to identify who you are, and also to show that this is your space. And this is my space for my family. This is my house. And also there was this emotional part that said, I'm part of this family, like Nathan said. And also the physical part of of getting land. So when you looked at that, they had standards. And some of the people have said the different standards, and, and there's no... You know, we don't have any pictures of it, but we know that in in Genesis 49, it talks about Judah will be what? A lion's whelp. So they they think that it's a lion. So they could have been like this. Well, when you think of the people today in church, we're not a mob, are we? We're a family of banners, aren't we? And the responsibility men come on us. It's our name on those banners, isn't it? It's our responsibility to take that lead and to understand that with the order of this, the Lord has prescribed order for us to to take care of and be part of, hadn't it? When you think of that and you think of the banners and you think of these people in their different ways. This kind of gives you a a rough outline. I found this old picture in Moses' archives of the pictures he took. Not really. And you see, as John had pointed out, how the tribes would line up. And what's in the center in there? Tabernacle. Why is it in there? So they're surrounding it with the tribes, aren't they? And you see the tribes that are listed. Now, did they just go out there and do this? <laughs> no, the Lord said, you do this, you, you be here, you be there, right? And he set them up in order, not by them raising their hands, but he, he chose the order. And then when you look inside there, I don't know if you can read down here, they call it the Levi Center that number one down here was, was um, Moses, Aaron, and their sons, the priests. Then number two was Kohath. Number three was uh, Gershon. And then Merai was number four. So the Levites circled the tabernacle. There are people that have done hundreds of studies to figure out how many people were involved. I won't get into that. That's not what I'm trying to get into. But they say that this group of people covered approximately 12 square miles. And you think about it, women and children, remember, and livestock too. And here the Lord has set up order and arrangement for what reason? So that when they move, they move orderly. When they stop, they stop orderly. So that 
the Lord's in control. When, when the cloud moves, they move. When the cloud stops, what do they do? They stop. Everybody has their banner. Everybody has their mission. Everybody stands there. Can you imagine if you're this man and this child looking out at all these people? I'd be concerned. <laughs> That's a lot of people down there. Do you think the Lord might have thought that? Any questions about this? Yes, sir. That order that God set was also for a reason uh, as well, and I think it addresses maybe in a small way the children's apprehension, but the uh, tribes on the east were the children of Leah. The children on the west were the descendants of Rachel. Uh, the northern tribes were from Billah, Rachel's handmaid, and in the south was Leah and uh, Zilpah's children. So they were a family on each uh, corner, so to speak, of the... With different the mothers. With different mothers. And Bruce brings up another point. Guess who the first tribe was to leave out and lead? Now, remember, who's the oldest? Reuben, isn't he? So you would think Reuben would lead, wouldn't he? Isn't that what it's supposed to be? I mean, first child? That's not the way the Lord did it. Judah led, didn't he? So here we have the future of our Messiah leading the people. And you have men here that are ready for war, that are marching to the tune of what the Lord wants them to do. And it's orderly and an arrangement. You know, when we think of the church today, <clears throat> we have authority to do different things, don't we? What is that? That's order and arrangement, isn't it? It says that we need to pray. Is it okay to pray before service starts or after or in the middle or all the time? Sure it is. The elders make a choice, don't they? We know that baptism is part of it. Do we have the part to do that? Sure we do. We have a place that's comfortable that we can meet in that you're not having to worry about outside things going on and you can study. We have access to what? Can't you even buy these at, at Walmart? So it's not that we can't get the word. It's whether we want to get the word. So order and arrangement carried down to the church with the elders, with, with preaching, and everything we do has order and arrangement, doesn't it? And who dictated that? Lord did, not man. And if we go against it, what happens? If they tried to get to the synagogue, a person that was outside, not the synagogue, the tabernacle, outside of this camp, what would happen to them? They're gone, aren't they? If we go against the word of God, what happens? We, we don't get stoned. We die spiritually. So there's no difference, is there? It's just a learning curve. Anything you want to add to this picture that Moses took?
Chaos. Chaos. So same thing within our lives. If God is order, God sets that order for us, we have a peaceful life. But if we do not have God in our lives, our lives become chaotic. That's a really, really good point because we see all this upheaval going on in the world around us. And many times it's because they've taken God out of their life, haven't they? Um, when, you, when you take that order and arrangement and God made it so that we could read it and see it and study it right together, that's what he wanted is right here. The unity, didn't he? The unity knowing that we all want to go to that same place, that we all have the same goal, but there's rules and regulations, aren't there? And God said, they're not cumbersome. We make them cumbersome because we try to put our own things in it rather than letting God dictate it. Anything else? Yes, sir. How cruel would it if you ever bought something, you know, that you have to put together, it comes in a box, and, and there's no instructions, and you just got to figure it out. And maybe you get it put together right, or maybe you don't. But God loves us so much that he created us, but he also told, told us how to put it together. And, and just like the, the children of Israel, the, you know, he, he took them out of Egypt, and, and he led them and guided them and, and told them where to go and what to do and so on. And uh, it, that made it easy for them because he loves them. And he loves us the same way and gives us direction also. And when we follow it, it's like you said, it's orderly. And when you don't, it's chaos uh, because you're trying to put part B in the wrong place. Even with instructions, I mess it up. Right, so. right. <laughs> but you know, not only that love, but I had long-suffering, patience, because he, he wanted to destroy them many, many times, didn't he? Moses interceded. Aaron interceded. But yet, there was going to be a remnant, wasn't there? There was going to be a group of people that would lead us to the Messiah. But it started with love. And you're exactly right. Great point. Anything else? With this, I put on a couple of more verses, which I have listed in there, um, and we're all aware of this. Let all things be done decently and in order, which we talked about, and that God is not an author of confusion, but what? Of peace, as in all the churches of of the saints. Um, Blessed are the peacemakers. Blessed are the pure in heart. You know, we have to understand that we have this leader, God, and he's going to tell us what to do. Well, when we come to the last part, the Lord is in the center of our lives. We saw the tabernacle out there in the middle. It was surrounded for protection by all these groups. And the importance of the tabernacle was really what? It's where God was, wasn't it? 
It was, it was the man in charge, wasn't it? So you got to take care of that. You've got to protect it. And here, I put on here, the, the Lord is the center of our lives. We understand that. That part of this is with this circling of it with these people and they're in their own banners. They understand that God has brought them here. They need to have reverence for God, don't they? And this reverence, we spoke about it two quarters ago in Proverbs. And what did we say with wisdom about this? The fear of God is what? The beginning of wisdom. The fear of God is the beginning of understanding, isn't it? And if we don't understand, it's just like Nate says, if we don't understand that God's in charge, it's chaos, isn't it? And if we don't understand that with God in charge, we are very lucky, as Brother Maine says, that he loves us, that he's given us repentance, hasn't he? And has us a way we can make it right. Because it is fearful to fall in the hands of the living God, isn't it? And he's showing that. He's going to show us the wrath as we go on and, and study further and further in this. He's going to show us this. Well, not only being in the center of it, but if we say, as I've written on the top, the Lord is the center of our lives, what's our responsibility? I couldn't hear you back there. We must do his commandments. We must follow his law. We read that right off the bat, didn't we? So there's a catch. For us, for his love, which he automatically gives to us, we have to obey his commandments. We understand that, but we also understand that as a person that comes forward here, whether David's preaching or, or Leland, they confess the name of Christ in front of witnesses. There's witnesses out here that hear them say, I believe Christ is the Son of God. So there's witnesses. They make what we call the good confession. They come back here, they're immersed for what? Remission of their sins, correct? They come back out and they're wet. But we still hug them, don't we? Does it stop there? <laughs> no, that's just the beginning. That's just the start of the marathon. And the problem is we have to continue earnestly for the faith. That's why in Ephesians 6 it says put on the whole armor of God because what we're fighting is not an easy fight, is it? And it's not a fight that just stops right here and says we can reload. We better be ready to keep going, Right? devil doesn't stop. And if you think he does, we're fooling ourselves. And I put up here an interesting comment that, that Jesus made in, in several passages that when we think of defense of this and this responsibility, Jesus said several times to people, have you not read? What is he saying? <laughs> Did you go here? Did you look it up? Or are you ready to defend your banner and your name? The church? <laughs> are, you, 
Are you willing to defend it? That's what it's saying here as part of this is when these people encircled this tabernacle, what were they doing? They were defending God, weren't they? To other people that saw them. The guy that was watching them. To the other tribes. Because it's unity. That's what we're here for, aren't we? Any questions on those two? Well, the Lord, we know our responsibility. We know that there is, is the responsibility of us as individuals. We've accepted that. But there's also, when we know that that tabernacle's in that middle, that's where we know where God is, don't we? Well, we as Christians and good Bible students understand that as we read this word, it's inspired by the, through the Holy Spirit. We've been given God's breath, haven't we? So we're in a situation to say we need to be obeying God. He should be in the center of our lives, and we should respect that because he's protecting you and I, just like uh, Phil said, right? It's through his love, his compassion, and if we mess up, we have a way out. I'm not saying that's the way to look at it. But he also makes it very plain to us. In, in Matthew twelve thirty, he who is not with me is what? You got two paths, don't you, to choose from. The wide or the narrow, don't you? You can do it. I put in those three sections down there that there's confidence, joy, and it inspires us for preparation for heaven by knowing that we have a loving God, we have a patient God, we have a long-suffering God, but we still have to be involved, don't we? It's a walk. It's not a sit-down. We're not a spectator. We're a contributor. That's what it is, isn't it? And if we're not, then we're against him. Anybody want to add to or take away? We're, we're, more, we're human beings. We're going to mess up. Um, don't go around thinking just because you got baptized once and your life's going to be a bed of roses. And No, you're going to mess up. But we have the intercession of Jesus' blood to forgive us of our sins. They didn't have that back then. They had to do a number of sacrifices and stuff like that. Ours is much more... Um, pure, much more better than, than what they had. It says in Hebrews it, it was better. And it's a good point because in First John, what does it say? If we say we have no sin, what are we? You know, the truth's not in us, is it? Well, when will you and I put the Lord in the center of our lives? When does that happen? Any guesses? Do what? Baptism, Baptism okay. I'm, I'm even simpler than that. Every day when we wake up? Give up worldliness? Y'all are doing a lot better than I am. Anybody else? 
All right? Anything else? I made it even simpler when we want to. That's the bottom line, isn't it? Bottom line is when we condition ourselves to say, when I wake up, who am I waking up for? Of course, I'm looking in the mirror saying, okay, good. Because Nate thinks I'm old. But we do this because when we come here, we don't come here as a spectator. We come here as a contributor to worship who? Worship God. And if we don't do that, then that's not acceptable to him. Any comments for tonight? Because I just finished and it looks like I finished on time. Anything anybody wants to add? Thanks so much for your comments.